As you see this slide today, um, this is a tomb of the unknown soldier there in Arlington Cemetery there in Virginia. Exactly three years after the end of World War I, the dedication of the unknown soldier tomb was dedicated there in Arlington Cemetery there in Virginia. But two days prior to that, the remains of an unknown American soldier arrived at the nation's capital. He was killed in a battlefield in France during World War I. And his remains came to the national capital there from a military seminary, a cemetery there in Virginia. I mean in France, I'm sorry. Let me get all my stuff here together here. And I should have brought a shopping cart this morning to get me taken care of. But this is a tomb of an unknown soldier. Like I said, the, the American soldier arrived from France from a military uh, cemetery there. If you've never been there, it's worth going there. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, someone there is guarding that tomb. As they laid that soldier to rest for his final resting place there, when they lowered the coffin into that tomb, underneath the coffin was a two-inch layer of soil that came from France. They wanted to lay that unknown soldier on a body of soil where he gave his life. So underneath that is two inches of of dirt in his coffin. The inscription on top of that tomb there says, here, rise, here rests in the honor, glory, an American soldier known but to God. If America celebrates and honors those of an unknown soldier, just think what a waste for us, relatively unknown believers, and followers of Jesus Christ. What awaits for us when we get to heaven's gates. In loud tomorrow day weekend, I've chosen to pass the scripture. The title is The Markings of a Good Soldier of the Cross. The Markings of a Good Soldier of the Cross. My family and I had a chance to go and visit that tomb there before we retired. And like I said, if you've never been before, it's worth a taking. A trip up there to see. But today we're going to look at 2 Timothy, the second chapter. 2 Timothy, the second chapter. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Then we'll skip to chapter 4 and look at verses 7 through 8. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. And then chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Let me just bow for a word of prayer and before we get started. God, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I pray that the words I speak will be your words. Hide me behind the cross so they see you, they hear you. God, thank you for this opportunity to bring your word to your people. Calm my anxieties. Let me hear from you and speak your words. And once again, thank you for being here with us in your house with your people. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we get started here, I'd like to um, give some background information. The author of 2 Timothy is none other than the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul wrote this. Apostle Paul wrote this to Timothy. 
Apostle Paul wrote this from our prison cell somewhere in, in Rome. Now, Paul and Timothy go back a ways. Paul recognized Timothy early on in life and said, I'm going to mentor this young pastor, this young man. I'm going to disciple him. I'm going to pour my life into him. He is a pastor now of a church there in Ephesus, and he is a shepherd for that congregation. And what Paul is saying in this letter here, I pour my life into you. You turn and pour your life into others. And that's what we're doing here at Westwood Baptist Church, if you don't know it. We have groups of men that are pouring their lives into other men, encouraging them, praying with them, going over the scriptures with them, and holding each other accountable. For one day, those group will multiply into other groups, and those men that were discipled will turn around and disciple others. And that's what our David Platt said in his book. He says, the goal of the church is never for one person to be equipped and empowered to lead as many people as possible to Christ. The goal is always for all of God's people to be equipped and empowered to lead as many people as possible to Christ. And that's what we're doing here at Westwood Baptist Church. So you see the picture. Paul is pouring his life into Timothy. And this is his last letter that he would write. And like I said, he is writing this from a prison cell in Rome. Possibly he may be even chained to a Roman soldier as he writes this. When we read God's word together here in this moment here, this is his obituary. This is his last thoughts. This is his last words that he would put a pen to paper. So when we read this here in just a second here, think about that. Who is writing this? Who's he writing it to? And where he is at when he is putting pen to paper. So we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And then we're going to skip to chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Like I said, this is Paul's obituary. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So Paul is kind of transferring the mantle, if you will, over to Timothy. Paul knows that he is sitting in this cell and he will never be released. Paul is waiting to be executed as he is writing these words. Paul is not worried about death, dying. Paul, since his Christian conversion, he has prepared himself for death. So he's not worried about that. 
What he is concerned with is making sure Timothy, our young pastor, is encouraged and challenged to stick to the course. So we get the picture here. And today I have a few markings I'd like for us to look at as a body of Christ. For those that are listening online or watching online here, we're in the second chapter of 2 Timothy. And like I said, this is a, the markings of a good soldier of the cross. Can you imagine at the end of your life, you look back and say, I have been a good soldier for Jesus Christ. So let's look at a few verses here this morning here that we can um, address here with the markings of a good soldier. The first one is, he or she is a follower. The first markings of a good soldier is, he or she is a good follower. Right there in chapter 2, verse 3, uh, Paul was asking him to join him. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So if you're a follower of Christ, if you're in the Lord's army, you've been saved. The first market of a good soldier is he or she is a follower. And let me uh, say this, a couple of things about this point. If you're here today and you're a Christian, if you're here today and you never have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, Every one of us in this room is falling after somebody or something. We're falling after the things of God. We're chasing hard after the things of God. We're falling God or we're falling the things of this world, self, and trying to build our own kingdom. So which one do you sit with this morning? Which one are you falling after? I don't care if you've been coming to Westwood for 20 years. You're either falling after the things of Christ or you're falling after this world. So what is it? You don't have to tell me. You don't have to speak up. Because your resume speaks for itself. If you're a follower of Christ, you're here in church regularly. And I mean regularly. Not just once a month. I mean regular. You're in a regular Bible study. You're in a life group here. Maybe possibly in a study group. You're taking in the Word of God. Because you want to follow after the things of God. Or are you falling after the things of this world? We call ourselves believers. We call ourselves Christians. But we're falling after the things of this world. I've only been here about 20 months. You really don't know me. You see me on Sundays. You see me like on Wednesdays. I pop in here every few days during the week. But you really don't know me. And I really don't know you. But God Almighty knows every one of us. And he knows those of us that are falling after the things of Christ. And those of us that are falling after the things of the world. So which one are we this morning? Are we falling after the things of God? Or are we falling after the things of this world? We're going back to the military. During Vietnam, World War I, World War II, Korean War... When they go out on patrols, there's always a point man. A point man is on point. 
And he is walking through the jungles, walking through the rice paddies, walking through towns, walking through cities, and he's on point. And guess what? When he's on point, everybody is behind him walking just where he walks. If he walks this way, they're walking this way. If he takes a step over here, they take a step over here. That is a point man. You think the pressures of combat, what it means to be up on point to lead that group. The pressures of combat, also the pressure of knowing this next step could be life or death, not only for me, but also for those entrusted in me. Every one of us, if you're a male in this auditorium, if you're a young male, an adult male, an older male, a way, way older, older male, you are a point man for your family. And those of you here today, you're a single parent for whatever reason, you're taking on that role as being the point man. So let me ask you, where are you leading your family? You're the spiritual leader of your house, and you're taking that step, and guess what? Your wife and your kids, they're falling right behind you. Are you sure that next step you fix to take here this week is where you should be stepping? That should make us cringe as spiritual leaders of our home. That should make us get on our knees before God and say, give me wisdom and make sure I step where I need to step. Because it's a life or death situation for some of you. Some of you are leading your family and you don't even know if your family is saved or not. Some of you are Christian men and you're leading yourself astray and your family is going with you. When you're on your business trips, you need to have somebody hold you accountable when you check in those hotels and you watch those TV shows. You need to have somebody hold you accountable because you're taking that step and the devil wants you to take that step because he wants your family to take that step so he can destroy you. It happens every day. There's millions and millions of Christian men that are falling by the wayside because they're not watching where they step. They don't understand the importance of being the point man. So I'm encouraging you, if you're a, a believer, the first markings of a good soldier is he or she falls. Falls. And Paul is trying to tell Timothy, hey, I want you to to join with me in suffering for Jesus Christ. We don't like to suffer. Do we like to suffer? We do not like to suffer. We want it all nice and tucked away like on a nice little cruise, you know, where you go and do what we want to do. We come back to the evening here, and you got a nice little monkey on your bed, and you got a little mint, and your pillows covers the pool back here. Our life is good. Jesus, I'll tell you things so that you will know that you have peace. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. If, I have, if Jesus had troubles, we're going to have troubles. We're going to be persecuted. And Paul is telling Timothy, I'm telling you, when you take point there and pour your life into those men there in Ephesus here, you, you, you're going to be uh, disappointed. You're going to be discouraged. People are going to come after you. You may even lose your life. So, Timothy, I want you to think like a soldier, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I want you to expect pain and heartache and loneliness and rough times, heartache and struggle. Paul was speaking from firsthand experience, is he not? He is in a Roman cell, never to get out again. 
waiting to be executed. And he is telling this guy, this young man in the faith, this young pastor, stay encouraged. Endure the hardship. Do not give up. There's false teachings and false prophets in the church here. You stand on the word of God here and you tell the truth. So you can pour yourselves into those men so they can turn around and do the same for others when they lead a group. So the first mark of a good soldier is he or she is a follower. I read this book this week here, David Platt. It speaks of uh, people that have been persecuted in other countries. We go to Walmart. We go to school. We go to work. Uh, where else we go? We go to the park. We're not persecuted. Did anybody follow you today to church to see where you were going, pull you over, and try to take you to jail, take your Bibles from you? Here in America, we're spoiled, but persecution is coming to the body of Christ. And in his book here, he talks about going over to this country. And they have to get there at different times of the day, this one little house. They'll come by bicycles or they'll walk. They don't want anybody to know they're having a secret church. And they'll get in there and they'll pray and read God's word and stay encouraged. If there's a noise outside, they take a peek. Because if they're caught... They could lose their land, their jobs, their families, and their lives. So the first mark is of good soldier is he or she falls. The second is he or she is faithful. He or she is faithful. Faithful to the calling. These people here, I read this story here, they're faithful to that. They were hiding this little house. And one guy, he said, I'll tell you. I'm losing members of my church home because there's people that's caught here. They come and kidnap Christians and take them somewhere else isolated and they'll torture them. And when they come back, they'll never share the gospel of Jesus Christ again with anybody verbally because their tongues were cut out. We have a voice this morning and we don't even cry out to God. We don't need to ask our neighbor. We don't need to check if somebody here, are you lost or saved? We have a voice that's not been taken away from us yet, but we're, we're not faithful. But a true markings of a good soldier, he's a follower and he is faithful. I know you've been staring at this piece of rock over here all morning and say, what is going on with this right here? Another story I read about this church leader over in a communist country. Some communist officials picked him up and said, we're going to interrogate you. We're going to ask you some questions about your evangelistic work. So this Christian pastor comes into the room with all the people who are going to interrogate him. And he puts that big old rock right there on the desk. One guy, he just couldn't say, he said, why did you bring a rock to this questioning he said, if you try to tell me that I cannot talk about the greatness of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you tell me that I have to shut up, I can't do that anymore, if you try to stop me, you end my life, guess what? This rock will cry out to God. That's what Luke, in the chapter of Luke, I think it's the 19th chapter, verse 40, you can check me. Jesus is telling the disciples, if you don't proclaim my glory, the rocks will cry out. 
if we never say another word about God, this thing right here is going to speak for us. So you're a follower of Christ and you're faithful. The next markings of a good soldier is you're familiar. You're familiar with a couple of things. All good soldiers of Christ are familiar with a couple of things. One, they are familiar with his voice. They know his voice. You know, we've heard the story before. As Christians, we're sheep. Have you ever researched sheep? Have you ever been around sheep? They're not the smartest creature that God put on this earth. They can't see very far in front of them. They cannot defend themselves. They're lost without a shepherd. Their wool will make them get too weight in water. And they will sink. And they will drown. So sheep need a shepherd. If you've been a whole bunch of... If I put my sheep together with yours, I could come and call them by name. They recognize my voice and they will follow me. A good soldier of Christ, he's familiar with the Lord's voice. The Lord speaks to me. I know he speaks to you. And he wants to say a whole bunch more. Is that getting us? He wants to say a whole bunch more, but we're not listening. Another thing that a good soldier is familiar with is the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might have sinned against God. When Jesus was attacked by Satan, what did he use? You say it. The word of God. You still have a voice. He used the word of God. If all we know is Jesus wept, the devil's not going very far. So he's very familiar with the sound of the Lord's voice, his shepherd, and a good soldier's familiar with the word of God and how to put on the whole armor of God to be ready for combat. Because when you live in a soldier's life for Jesus Christ, you're going to be in a battle. It's a spiritual warfare out there. We want to fight for everything. Fight, fight, fight. So are you tracking with me this morning? The markers of a good soldier. Let's, let's, let's repeat this. The markers of a good soldier, the first one, he or she follows. The second marking of a good soldier of the cross is he or she faithful. And the third is familiar. Now the fourth, you turn over chapter four with me. The fourth marking of a good soldier is he or she is a fighter. He or she is a fighter. That's what Paul was encouraging Timothy, fight, 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 fight. And what all Paul has gone through in his life, he's able to finally say that at the end, his obituary, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. We fight a lot of things. We fight one another, we fight with words, we fight with fists. We need to fight for the right things. We need to fight for our faith, fight for the church. We have freedom of religion, freedom of speech. Fight. 
he or she is a fighter. Let me see if um, something else here I may have to say before we go to the next one. Yes. Paul, he was saying, I was determined, I was driven, I was dedicated. I have fought a good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. How determined are we? How driven are we? How dedicated are we as a follower of Christ? Those soldiers, Marines, airmen, all those who put their lives on the line, they're willing to do it. Are we going to be willing to do it when we start getting closed in? And it's hard to live the Christian life. I think it's easy to fight when we have done one thing. A lot of us in this room here, we made Jesus Christ our Savior. Have we not? He is our Savior. How many of us that are believers, followers of Christ, how many of us have made that transition from making Him our Savior to making Him our Lord? Have you done that? Have you gone from just getting your fire insurance to making Jesus not only your Savior, but to make Him your Lord? Where he is your owner. He's your master. He controls everything. He controls your step. He controls your thoughts. Jesus said, hey, it's tough. If you want to follow me, you want to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. How many of us have gone from not only making Jesus our Savior to making him our Lord? When you have gone from that transition, it's easy to be able to endure the hardship and pain and the persecution that's coming to you and your doorstep and to your family and to America because he is our Lord of our lives. It doesn't, it's not about me, it's all about the master. In the morning when you wake up on Memorial Day, I want you to say that. It's not about me, it's the master. It's all about the master. It's not about me, it's all about the master. Live your life, fight the good fight. Fight like that. The fifth marking of a good soldier is he or she is a finisher. Finishes. We need to finish like Paul finished. It does no good to start the Christian life if we don't finish well. We have to finish. We have to finish. Verse 6 there, before we get to verse 7, it says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. How many of us long for Jesus to come back? We need to finish we need to finish what we started. April the 14th. But let me go back. James Harper. Lamar and I were talking about this this past week. 
You know, you know James Harper? You ever heard of James Harper? Anybody? James Harper, besides Lamar. James Harper. James Harper became a Christian at age 14. Age 17, he became um, called into the ministry. He started with a little church with 20 people. It grew to 500 people in just 13 years. James Harper was invited to come back over to America to preach at the Moody Church there in Chicago. He and his daughter, because his wife passed away, he and his daughter and his niece came on board a ship to come over here to America where he could preach the Word of God. But guess what? He was on the Titanic. And you know, most of the men died on the Titanic. And James Harper died Let me tell you the rest of the story. James Harper was a finisher. When he was out there in the icy, dark, cold water, he floated up next to this guy. And he asked this guy, are you saved? Are you saved? And the guy says, uh, no. Way pushed James Harper off. He went somewhere else. A few minutes later, the wave Pushed him right back to that same guy he spoke to. He said, hey, are you saved yet? So this guy's out there in the water clinging to this piece of wood. James Harper said, are you saved yet? The guy gave him the same reply. No. Wave pushed him off. Third time he comes back to the same guy he's been speaking to. In the darkness, he says, are you saved yet? He tells him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He got pushed off. The guy never saw him again. Years later, this Scotsman stood up and he told a story about James Harper. He said, I was clinging to a piece of wood, afraid for my life, and this guy was not Panicking whatsoever, he came up to me three times and asked me if I was saved. I'm here to stand before you tonight and tell you that I am James, Har James Harper's last convert. Finish. 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 Some of you here this morning, you're floating. And you're lost. I ask you right now, if you were to tell me if you were, when you die, you go to heaven or not, and you would say yes, or you would say no. Some of you, you say, I don't know. There's no reason here in the 21st century to not to know if you're saved or not. I don't want you to think so. I don't want you to hope so. I want you to leave this room knowing so. So if you were to die right now, where would you spend eternity? A good soldier, he or she falls. He or she, faithful. He or she is familiar. He or she is a fighter. He or she finishes. 
If you're here today and you're not sure where you spend eternity, today is the day of salvation. So let's bow our heads. I'm going to ask you a question. The Lord is here in this place. If you're here today and you're not sure if you're a follower of Christ or not, not sure if you're a believer, not sure if you would die where you spend eternity, for those that are listening via the live stream or right here, I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer. If you're not sure and you want to be sure, just repeat this simple prayer. Father God, I know I am lost. I know I am lost without you. I know I cannot save myself. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus died that day, was buried. Three days later, he rose again. I believe that Jesus is on the right-hand side of the Father at this moment. And I believe that Jesus is coming back. So God, I ask you to save me. I ask you to save me. And God, put me in places with people that's going to help me to grow in my walk with you so I live the rest of my life for you. Save me now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're here today in this very room and you prayed that prayer, that prayer comes from the heart. It does not come from the lips. If you meant what you said, please let me know. We're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to ask you to come forward. Give us your all. If you're here today and you prayed to receive Christ, when Kevin gets started to sing, I want you to come down. If you're here today and you want to rededicate your life, I want you to come forward. For those who are watching online, let us know. Let somebody know. Because we want to equip you, make sure that you have all the tools necessary so you can grow and you walk with Christ. Too many people come down to church, walk out the side door, never get discipled. So when the world comes at them, it gets tough, they want to throw in the towel and leave and sit on the sidelines. For the one, 2020 was a tough year. What is year is this? Is 2021? 2020 was a tough year. 2021. When you think of the one, 2021, I want you to think for the one. I also want you to think who is out there is my one to lead to Christ. Christ.